So welcome back once again to the Movie A Day podcast through the Coffee and Heroes Network. We're now reaching week 7, which is actually going to be a documentary week. You know, this was a week that meant I could watch a few flicks I've been meaning to watch for a while. You know, there's a, there's a lot of documentaries I've had sort of lined up for ages, you know, I just haven't quite got around to. So this week, you know, I covered music, daredevils, Formula One drivers and bodybuilders. Anyway, on to the movies. And we're going to kick things off with a documentary from 2011 called From the Ashes. In a time of crisis, a nation needs a hero. A cricket documentary? Am I having a laugh? This happens to be a documentary by the guys who did the very watchable One Night in Turin about England's exploits at Italia 90 and the World Cup. And it tells the story of Sir Ian Botham and the English cricket team. It also happens to be narrated by Tom Hardy. I'm in. So the setting is England 1981, at a time when rioting and discontent were filling the streets. Unemployment was at an all-time high. People were looking for an escape from their daily suburban grime. England were 1-0 down after two games of the Ashes series, cricket's oldest rivalry between England and Australia. They were so down and out going into the last two days of the third test that the bookies were offering odds of 500-1 against England, even winning a single game. Sir Ian Botham once England's golden boy had just stepped down as captain, having struggled in the first two tests. He stepped onto the playing field, England over 200 runs behind. Can he possibly inspire England to an unlikely victory and restore some pride and hope to the streets of England? From the Ashes does a really good job of showing just how uplifting and influential professional sport can be. Suddenly everybody was forgetting about the unhappiness of their everyday lives and were focusing on this team rising like a phoenix, taking the fight to the Aussies. Even if you're not a cricket fan, which, as anyone who knows me, I am, I still think you would enjoy this as it's a really well put together uh, documentary and it's enthusiastically narrated by Tom Hardy. I think he's secretly a cricket geek as well. 7 out of 10. For the second documentary, we move on to my personal favourite band of all time, Oasis, and this is a documentary called Lord Don't Slow Me Down. Whatever they say out there, don't believe the truth. So, we now have one of the biggest bands of all time. Oasis were my absolute favourite band growing up and still remain so to this day. I was just the right age to appreciate tunes such as Cigarettes and Alcohol, Live Forever, Supersonic, Rock and Roll Star, Slide Away, and they were all just from the first album. To follow up these songs with an album that contained Wonderwall, Don't Look Back in Anger, Morning Glory, Some Might Say and Champagne Supernova solidified Oasis as the most exciting band in the world. While some will actually argue those two albums were the peak of their releases, for me, Be Here Now is my Desert Island album. But that's just personal opinion, and probably one that not a lot of people will agree with, but there you go. This documentary gave you an insight into Oasis as they embarked on a year-long world tour following the release of the studio album Don't Believe the Truth. To be honest, it's not the best documentary you'll ever see, as it seems more like a collection of vignettes and snapshots rather than a cohesive narrative of any kind. There is undeniably great imagery here. Liam standing motionless in front of 60,000 bouncing fans. Noel walking down the street in New York with no one bothering him because they never cracked the states. Noel jamming out the demos during sound checks. Liam's birthday party. Hanging out with Kasabian. It's good for the fans but won't really give much of their story to the uninitiated. So for this one it's 6 out of 10. Although I would say if you are an Oasis fan or you do want to learn more about the band check out the absolutely brilliant Supersonic, which charts uh, their rise to being the biggest band in the world. I really should have reviewed that one instead of Lord Don't Slow Me Down. Great title track though. 
Next, we move on to some more music, and this one is Bob Dylan, No Direction Home, from 2005. I was born very far from where I'm supposed to be, and so, I'm on my way home. I was very much a latecomer to the Bob Dylan party. You know, it was only after I watched the movie called Vanilla Sky that I started to listen to his back catalogue. And for me, just as a side note, Vanilla Sky is possibly the greatest movie soundtrack of all time. It got me into Bob Dylan, Jeff Buckley, Sigur Ross, Josh Rice, and Radiohead amongst others. Dylan's always had a unique voice, and I've since learned that you either love his brand of musical poetry, or you don't. I fall very much into the former character, and would consider him the greatest songwriter of all time, though personally I would argue that a certain Mr Noel Gallagher is not too far behind. Add all that together with a documentary directed by the greatest American filmmaker of all time in Martin Scorsese, and you've got the potential for a fantastic documentary, and I'm glad to say it delivers. What Scorsese captures here is Dylan from his early years right through to the modern era. He covers every aspect of his life from his humble beginnings, playing in front of four people in a small speakeasy, to his first record release, to becoming one of the biggest stars in the world, and making sure to set aside time to explore the period of his career, where he embraced different styles of music, which actually alienated him from a lot of his fans. Scorsese pulls no punches and shows us it all. Dylan himself is heavily involved with up-to-date, well, at the time the picture was made, interviews and anecdotes, and he's an engaging personality. You can see Scorsese is in awe of this man, and he presents the eras through which Dylan lived as whimsical, magical, and free times. Far removed from the commerciality which fills the music industry today. A great documentary. 9 out of 10. Next up, we have Pumping Iron from 1977. To me, the pump kind of feels like having sex with a beautiful woman and coming. You know, it just feels fantastic. I'm coming all the time, you know, whether I'm at the gym or at home. It's great. At the time when Pumping Iron was made, there is no way that anyone could have predicted just how high Arnold Schwarzenegger's star would rise. There's little doubt that he is the star of the show here, exuding a charm and charisma that would turn him into the action star of Hollywood. But Pumping Iron is a small movie that would have a very small demographic to aim for. Bodybuilding is not exactly the most fanatically followed of sports, and in the 70s and 80s it was even less so. But this documentary is also very revealing about the drive and determination ingrained into all of these athletes, and it's both enjoyable and inspiring the whole way through. It picks up at a time when Arnold was the number one bodybuilder in the world. He had won several Mr. Olympia and Mr. Universe titles, and is determined to hold on to the crown for another year. But there is an ambitious young upstart coming through in the form of a certain Mr. Lou Ferringo, or the Incredible Hulk to you comic geeks out there. Can Arnold hold off this very impressive challenger? If Pumping Iron taught me one thing, it's that whatever Arnold sets his mind to, he achieves. I would also very highly recommend his autobiography, which rams this idea home even further. Very entertaining documentary and 8 out of 10 for this. Next up, we have Man on Wire, 2008. Life should be lived on the edge of life. You have to exercise rebellion to refuse to tape yourself to rules, to refuse your own success, to refuse to repeat yourself, To see every day, every year, and every idea as a true challenge. And then you're going to live your life on a tightrope. This is one of the movies I meant when I said I'd finally getting around to seeing something I've wanted to see for ages. It seems like Man and Wire has been around forever and yet I've just never settled down to watch it. How glad I am that I have finally rectified this. Man on Wire would be a brilliant film if it were a work of fiction. Given that it is based on true events makes it even more remarkable. 
Manon Wire follows Philippe, a French daredevil of sorts. His speciality? Wire walking. He used to set up wires between all these famous buildings around France and walk across them using nothing more than a balancing pole. He didn't adhere to using safety nets or wires in case he fell. He had scaled Notre Dame, and the thrill of that meant he had set his eyes on something even more spectacular, the Twin Towers in New York. The documentary is made up of actual footage from when he attempted this feat, as well as a recreation of some of the events, still photographs, and interviews with all of the key players, including Philippe himself. Philippe is a very interesting and charismatic individual, you know, he exudes confidence, and even when he is detailing his crazy plans and his reasons for doing them, you automatically follow him and believe in him. What he achieved will never again be attempted, a fact made even truer by the sad fact that the Twin Towers are no longer with us. But even if they were, I wouldn't fancy anyone recreating this sheer act of lunacy slash brilliance slash inspiration. Great viewing, 9 out of 10. We move on to the world of Formula 1 now, with Senna from 2010. There's only one word that describes Ayrton's style, and that is fast. He would take the car beyond its design capabilities. He would break later, fly into these corners where the car was just over the edge, and somehow he could dance a dance with that car to where it stayed on the track. Best documentary of the week, by far. Similar to Man and Wire, this is a story that could have been ripped from the minds of the world's greatest writers. It has tragedy, comedy, charismatic characters, ups and downs, inspirational moments, and is edge-of-your-seat exciting. I didn't really know much about Ayrton Senna. I grew up watching Formula 1 when the rivalry between Schumacher and Damon Hill was at its zenith. Senna was just before my time. But just like I wish I could have seen George Best playing football in his pump, I wish I could have watched Senna at his peak. Here was a man who had a pure love for the sport and wanted to be the absolute best at it. He didn't want to get to the top through politics or favours or by the car being technically the best on the grid. He wanted to get there through sheer hard work, talent and audacity. Senna was a winner. He single-handedly united a country, regardless of social standing, race or religion. He helped steer Brazil through some very dark times when poverty and violence was ripe. He was the inspiration for a nation to change, and that is no small feat. He was the first Brazilian sports competitor to do that since a certain Pele. His story is simultaneously inspiring and tragic. This documentary perfectly captures all of the ups and the downs of his career, and you may find yourself shouting at the injustice of some of the events that occurred, even though they happened 30 years ago. Essential viewing, 10 out of 10. So we finish off documentary week with Searching for Sugarman from 2012. He had this kind of magical quality that all the genuine poets and artists have to elevate things, to get above the mundane, the prosaic, all the bullshit, all the mediocrity that's everywhere. The artist? The artist is the pioneer. I have to admit that I actually hadn't heard of this documentary until someone mentioned it to me. Um, You know, he's a bit of a geek like me, though he inexplicably likes Family Guy. So I thought I'd take him up on the recommendation, and I'm definitely glad I did, as this was another winner this week. The story follows a recording artist called Rodriguez. He was American and only ever recorded two albums. They both sank without a trace in the United States. But strangely, they outsold Elvis, the Beatles, Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones in South Africa. His music had rebellion running through it, notions of not accepting how society is and how you have to be the ones to stand up and change it. Unsurprisingly, this hit home during apartheid. 
and his music was banned by the South African government for fear of it inspiring the youth to rebel. Suffice to say, banning it only made it more attractive. But very little was known about the man himself. There were rumours he set himself on fire on stage and died. Other rumours had him shooting himself at his last ever live performance, again dying. These rumours only added to the legend. And this documentary follows a South African record shop owner searching out the truth and trying to retrace his life. While searching out the truth, he receives a phone call that will change everything. I know that sounds quite dramatic, but the movie took a very surprising turn right in the middle and was all the more inspiring and uplifting for it. After watching this, I immediately went and bought the soundtrack, which is the biggest praise I can give for any music documentary. 9 out of 10. So that's it for Documentary Week. Next week, I'm going to be doing a week of David Lynch movies. You know, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. Some of the movies I haven't seen for a little while. One of them I have never actually seen, so that should be interesting. I hope I don't come out the other side of change, man. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this. I hope you'll join me next week for David Lynch Week. Until next time. Mm -hmm.